I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In the 70s, hitchhiking wasn't necessarily considered dangerous. It was a mode of transportation used by many, much like today's ride-sharing companies but without the paper trail. And for Colleen, her last hitchhiking trip would take away seven years of her life. This is the story of Colleen Stan, the girl in the box. I'm Nicole. I'm Ben. And this is Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. We almost missed it last time, so I had to like start it with the cracking of the can. Oh yeah, you would have realized eventually. I would have, but still, it wouldn't take you that long. Be long enough. <laughs> missing, almost missing it is long enough. Happy Tuesday! Happy Tuesday! Welcome back to Wicked and Grim, the yeah. the most bestest, awesomest podcast out there. No, definitely not the 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 show where we drink, and that's about it. I think we're pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about crime shows and or crime stuff. Crime. Crime cases. We talk about crime cases and and, and cool st- and stuff. Yeah. And things. And things. Oh, wow. How's that? There we go. <laughs> there we go. So what's shaking? It's what's been happening? pretty quiet around here lately. It has been. Our weather. I mean, it sounds cliche to just start talking about the weather, but our weather is actually noteworthy right now. It's been like melting plus three plus in five january in canada northern canada are uh, we considered northern yeah we're northern british columbia yeah but like we're actually right in the middle when you look at it on the we're map like the gateway to the north i think they call it there you go yeah, yeah. so i did make rice crispy squares today and fun fact i made christmas rice crispy squares because i didn't <laughs> make them at fucking christmas time they were festive i meant I to it. uh make them at christmas but you know what life's busy sometimes and that's okay Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes things don't go your way. Sometimes things take a little extra time and that's okay. Well, honestly, like who would want just normal Rice Krispies? Because Me? like it almost be boring. So it's like nice that they're colored and fun. Well, I, I would just take any Rice Krispie squares. I think I want to try making normal Rice Krispie squares and then like dipping it in some sort of like colored chocolate and then have sprinkles on there. Like dip it in like, like fully covered? No, just part of it. Like maybe one end. Why don't you just drizzle it over top? right mr logic <laughs> i'll do both and we can see which is better i'm pretty sure the drizzle over probably top would yeah be... it would taste better all around well but then... i'm not talking about taste i'm just talking about convenience would be a little way less messy making it and eating it i think chero true 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 
What did you say? I don't know. I Tarot? was going to say touche and true, and then they just combined, and it, <laughs> I created a new word. Fair enough. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Okay, so we got some Patreons to thank. We Patrons. do. We had a few people sign up for Patreon this week, and here we go, because we list everyone that signs up in the in the week and give them a big old thank you on the show. If you don't know, mm-hmm. you do now. And here we go to thank those people Who that signed up got? this week. Who do we got? We have Nikki Lloyd, Shauna Wenzel, Matthew Hobbs and Raven Fuller. They all signed up for Patreon. They get some exclusive behind the scenes content. They get to go sign up and be part of our Discord channel. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the month, last day of the month, exclusive episode. Yeah. So they get that too. That's the biggest and best bonus. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you got for us today? What's happening over in the, the true crime world for stories on the Wicked and Grim on this beautiful Tuesday? I don't think you're ready for it. I'm not? Have you heard of this case, actually? What case is it? Colleen Stan. Oh, the girl in the box. Yeah, yeah. I Do know. you know a lot about it? I don't know a lot about this case, but I know of the case. Let's put that. Yeah. Way. I think it's a pretty, con- it's like a more famous one. Yes, by far. Um, but yeah, like I didn't really know. I just knew kind of the gist of it, right? So we're kind of diving in a little deeper today. Well, let's do a deep dive. Oh. I, I do know that uh, she's a survivor, right? She is, yeah. Which is awesome to Which hear. Which is so incredible because given what she went through, I don't think I would be. So it's no? it's pretty amazing what some people can like with their mind and their will like survive. What it's, they're capable of pushing through. It's unbelievable. Through. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So in 1977, Colleen Stan was 20 years old. She was living at home with her family in Eugene, Oregon. So that's not super far away from us. No, no, it's on the, the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. And was working on building a life for herself when she got an invitation to go down to Northern California to spend time with a friend. This friend was having a birthday party and Colleen knew that she wanted to go and, and she had a way to get there. She had her own car And the plan was to just drive down and test the waters to see what becoming a little bit more independent would look like. So one morning in May, Colleen got up, said goodbye to her parents, and got in her car only for the car not to start. Of course. I was about to say, this is quite literally like any young 20-year-old's dream road trip down to the sunny California. The Oregon coast kind of thing, right? Yeah. Go through the Oregon coast. She's headed down to California and her car road tripping, just living the life and going on an adventure. But yeah. (laughs) And it'd be my dream as well. No kidding. Can we do this? (laughs) Can you imagine just podcasting on the road? That'd be dope. Oh, that would be dope. That'd be so awesome. It would be possible too. Well, we have technically done it once in Vancouver. Yeah. So like in a van, let's get a van and just, (laughs) just go. And hopefully the van would start. Yes. So many of us today, I think, would just call the, the whole trip off, right? Or we would wait until our car got fixed. Yeah, fair enough. But in the 70s, and with Colleen really wanting to go to this party, she got her backpack out of her car, said goodbye to her parents, and once again headed towards the road on foot. And this time, the plan was to hitchhike down to her friend's house in California. Thumbs out on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. Colleen actually made it from Eugene down to Red Bluff in California, and she was almost there when she waited at the side of the road and stuck her thumb out to ask for another lift. Because I'm, I'm, don't imagine, like, I have no idea how many vehicles you'd have to get in, but, like, you kind of get into one, they take you to the furthest point, yeah. and then you get out, and, like. And then on to the next vehicle, they take you a little further, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Like, I just, I 
I would never be able to do that. I would rather like take months and walk. <laughs> wow. To be honest, I don't know. I just can't trust people. I mean, we live in probably a little bit of a different world, but yeah, there's no way. No, well, that that's half a century away, right? Yeah. So, so one car pulled over and stopped, but Colleen got a bad feeling about the people driving it, and so she said, "No thanks." Another car pulled over and apparently there were five men already in this car and Colleen thought it wouldn't be a good idea for her to get in the same car with five young men all on her own. Yeah, probably a good call on that part. So she said no thanks again and waited for someone else. So she was being smart. Which is good. Which is good. It's really good. And in the classic case of third time's the charm. The next car that pulled over to offer her a lift looked much more promising than the other two. This time it was a blue van and inside was a young couple, Cameron and Janice Hooker, with their baby in the back seat. Cameron was 23 years old and a lumber worker and his wife Janice was actually even younger than Colleen. Janice was only 19 years old. They offered Colleen a lift and Colleen liked what she saw and felt safe around a young family. Like, I mean, there was a baby in the backseat, right? Yeah. So she told them where she was heading. And when they agreed to take her part of the way, she got in the backseat next to the baby. Colleen later described that everything seemed fine and normal at first. She said that Cameron kept looking at her through the rear view mirror, but she didn't think much of it because his wife was literally sitting right next to him. Mm-hmm. Colleen figured that those looks could have been a bit much if she had been alone in the car, but with his wife and his infant daughter in the car as well, the looks came across as a bit creepy, but ultimately harmless. And that was when the hookers pulled hookers is their last. Yeah, I I got that. I I I wasn't going to make that joke. I think people get that, but I'm just like, I still feel odd saying it for some reason. Okay, so when the hookers pulled over to a gas station to refill their tank, Colleen got out of the car and realized that she had a decision to make. She went to the bathroom where she said she had a sudden urge come over her, like an urge to run away and never look back. But when she thought about doing that, it also didn't feel right. This was a young family and Colleen was an experienced hitchhiker. The urge to run away was probably her just being a bit paranoid, maybe even left over from her having to think about getting in a car with five young men. So she pulled herself together and got back in the car. Oh, God. It's incredible what someone's intuition and gut feeling can can do. And how often we don't listen to it. And how often it's right. I know. I've actually been trying to make a conscious effort to listen to like my gut feelings a little bit more. It's very hard because you kind of just convince yourself, oh, like it's nothing or that's silly. But like you need to kind of listen to that. Well, and a lot of times too, like hindsight's twenty twenty. You don't even realize you have that gut feeling in the moment a lot of the times. Yeah. And then afterwards you kind of look back and you're like, fuck, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Like you almost have to tune in to like hear it. Yeah. And and to be able to listen. Yeah, that's true. So. So when she got back into this into the car, there was a big wooden box on the seat between her and the baby. Nobody really addressed it, and Colleen sort of looked at it and then decided it was none of her business. The car pulled out of the gas station and then a little ways down the road. Carmen at, 
or Cameron, sorry, asked if Colleen would be all right if they pulled off the main road for a while because there was a spot that they wanted to see just up ahead. Colleen agreed. After all, they were already doing her a favor by taking her some of the way, and she wasn't exactly in a position to tell them what to do. Yeah, you can't exactly be bartering when you're catching a free ride. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you'd have to say yes, basically. So Cameron took the car off the road and led them to a secluded spot in the countryside. He then got out and headed towards Colleen's door. This is where shit goes south. I knew it. I mean, we all saw this part coming, but God, it's gut-wrenching just knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, it really is. Uh, He suddenly pulls out a knife and orders Colleen to get out of the car. Colleen didn't know what to do, and she didn't know why Janice was letting Cameron do this. But she could tell that Cameron meant business, and she didn't want to risk losing her life. So she got out of the car, and then all hopes that Janice would help her went up in smoke. Cameron and Janice bound Colleen's hands behind her back, and then the box that appeared next to her after she had used the bathroom at the gas station, well, it had a purpose, that's for sure. The box had been specifically engineered. It clamped together with latches. When the latches were open, the hole in the middle was wide enough that Cameron could stuff Colleen's head through it. But when once on and the latches closed, there was no getting it off. The inside of the box was lined with thick carpet, cutting out the light, the sound, and most of the air to the inside of the box, making it very hard for Colleen to even breathe. Oh, God. She knew that her situation had just gone from bad to worse. So this was clearly premeditated. Mm-hmm. I never realized this was a premeditated case. I always thought it was circumstantial and just happenstance. No. And they took advantage of the situation. No. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a whole new curveball for me on this one. Yeah. Holy shit. I, it's, and that's just so beyond terrifying. Like I couldn't even imagine, oh, what would be going through your head and like having this box on you and, and you're just like sitting there just like you're fucked. Yeah. And I'm hesitant to this, to say this cause it's a, it's a very dark thing to say. Um, so just bear with me on this thought process. Okay. Um, I'm almost happy it was Colleen that they picked up because we know she survives. Mm-hmm. We know she was strong enough to get through this. We know she escapes. I'm not certain that everyone would be able to do that. Imagine if they picked up someone who wasn't able to get through it, who wasn't able to escape. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You'd have to be pretty strong-willed to get through this. Because they were going to pick someone up. It doesn't matter who. They were going to pick someone up. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. That's dark. That's really dark. So, I mean, yeah, not that things happen for a reason. And sometimes things happen for a reason. But in this sense, it's like like she survived. So, you, you can almost there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still, yeah. I mean, no one should have had to go through No, this. no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. wishing this That's upon what, anyone. Yeah. I'm just saying at least sh- they picked someone who had the strength to get the through. The will to survive. Exactly. So Colleen was then stuffed back in the car and told to be quiet as she felt the car start moving again. And she had no idea where the next destination would be. <sighs> When the car finally stopped again, she was taken inside a house where Cameron took the box off her head, gagged her, 
began taking off all her clothes and covered her eyes with something. He then strung her up from the ceiling and started whipping her. Holy shit. Yeah. Like whipping her. Oh my gosh. Cameron kept at it. And as Colleen started to scream, he warned her that if she kept screaming, he'd cut her vocal cords. He said, I've done it before and I'll do it again. Holy fuck. And Colleen believed him. I don't doubt it. Yeah. She tried her best to keep quiet, even though the pain must have been excruciating. Oh, I would be screaming like a little girl. Yeah. And something I haven't mentioned yet, she was actually dangling from the ceiling. He hung her so high off the ground, her feet couldn't even touch. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. How did she not dislocate her shoulders? I don't know. I don't Whoa. know. Whoa. Yeah. This fucking guy. Like he's disgusting. Like he's, he's the worst. This Just is. Just wait. This is fucking twisted. So she was in complete agony, to say the least, but she kept quiet and she continued to keep quiet even when Cameron took off her blindfold. And what he did next is he had sex with Janice right below her suspended body. What the fuck? Yep. That's literally like how her first moments in the house played out. What the actual fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this, but my next, next line is like, what the actual fuck? <laughs> exactly well, what you said. Because, because that's a very reasonable reaction yeah. to something like that. Yeah. Holy. Wow. All right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not, I, I mean, people have their kink or whatever, but for that... To be like turning people on is so disturbing. It's that's, so disturbing to me. That's not an acceptable kink. No. I don't give a shit. If you want to reenact things with consenting parties, that is totally different. Because there is no consent there. Yeah. Because so. pe people do consent and safely tie and yeah. dangle each other up and swings this and chains that. Sure, do whatever you want as long as everyone's safe and consenting. Yeah. This, and on this the other hand, was not a safe consenting situation. No, I do not consent to this fucking dude being alive. No. <laughs> Holy fuck. So when they were done being complete savages, like really. Yeah, that, that's an applicable word for sure. They took Colleen down, hogtied her and stuffed her inside a box. She had no way of knowing how long she'd been tied up there and how long she would be. But whenever she was let out, Things became perfectly clear. She was only ever let out to be beaten, whipped, or electrocuted. She was given a small amount of food and water and forced to use a bedpan as a bathroom before it would all start all over again. But it would take her a while to find out why this had happened to her and why a seemingly normal young family could do something so horrible. No kidding. Like, there's no way she could have imagined. Because, like, honestly, it was like a young family with a baby. There's no way that you would think this would be the outcome. Well, there's other situations and other cases out there where the similar sort of plot occurs where they, you know, young couple or have a baby in the backseat pull this sort of shit. Um, wasn't it the, the Barbie and Ken killer kind of had a similar sort of, like, they? I don't think they had a kid, but they pulled the... The young couple, the nice people yeah. sort of I mean, they were like trick. perfect couple. They never looked like anyone that would be so evil. Yeah, exactly. So. So it's kind of the, I don't know, it's the facade they put on. It's kind of like the, the chameleon effect to get, to make you comfortable and drop your guard. Mm -hmm. I'm curious though, as to what she finds out on, on why they start doing this. You ready? 
Yeah, I don't think so, but I'm about to be as ready as I will ever be, I think, for this information. So it had all been part of a deal between Cameron and Janice, the husband and wife. Cameron was a sadist, to say the least. Janet, Janice, being that she was only 16 years old when she first met or went on a date with Cameron, was inexperienced in many ways. She'd borne the brunt of Cameron's desires. All through the relationship, Janice had been whipped and beaten because it turned Cameron on. But she knew that she also wanted things to be different. Not long into their marriage, a deal was struck between them, making sure that Janice wouldn't have to face Cameron's darker side again. Janice wanted to wanted a baby, and in return, Cameron could have his own slave to torture. Holy fuck. The only condition was that he wasn't allowed to have penetrative sex with her. What? <laughs> You're just staring at me just like shocked, eh? What the holy yeah. So like, that's the you, that's, that's the line they draw. That's the deal. Like, yeah, you can have this person and you can torment the fuck out of them, but you just can't like have penetrative sex. Wow. And then I'm going to have a baby and then I don't I'm not going to be the brunt of this going forward. Maybe if you have a situation where in a relationship someone has desires such as that, you should probably seek some counseling. Mhm. Or Figure out how to do it safely and consensually. Yeah. yeah. Like she honestly should have just like left and run for the hills. I mean, she should have. That's I mean, for sure. She was very young at the time that they got together. And I mean, you know. and I love and who knows how convincing he was. And maybe she had some some things inside her that made her want to stay because she was similarly aligned. Yeah. Who knows the situation? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, she probably should have turned tail and run, but that's not going to stop the situation. He would have done it to someone else. Oh yeah. No, it would have played out probably yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't do anything and it's not her fault by any means. Well, I mean, it's not like she was the one, it's not like she was the one wanting to do those things. So her leaving doesn't. Yeah. And we'll talk, if you know what I mean? we will talk about it a bit at some point because there's very mixed reviews of with, of if she's like a good person yeah. or not. Well, I'm so she's involved in this. She's yeah. also a piece of shit. Well, yeah, because I mean, he might be manipulative, but there, it went on for seven fucking years. She harbored a human being. She dangled her on a ceiling and fucked her husband underneath her hanging body. She is a piece of shit. Oh, yeah, she is. I'm like sweating. This case, this case <laughs> is making me sweat. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying like prior to the whole kidnapping Colleen thing, she would be the victim in this situation. So her staying with him, clearly he's going to be a manipulative in mm -hmm. individual. Yep. So he's got her wrapped around his finger. However, now that she's involved going forward with Colleen, she is now just as bad as him, in my opinion. Right. If that makes sense. Yes, because okay. she let it go on too long. Oh, yeah. Even any of it, really. Yeah. So so the hookers had actually been out on the road that day, actively looking for a hitchhiker to take back to the home and lock in the basement. Yeah. Which is something you've learned. And when Colleen had gotten into the car with them, she'd given them just that. Months went by with Colleen only being able to come out for short amounts of time to eat, occasionally use the bathroom because she did have her bedpan, and be beaten. At the seven-month mark, 
Cameron took her out, sat her down, and explained what was happening. He told her that he was registered with an international company called The Company, a super creative name, eh? Oh, my God. And their business was all about slaves. Cameron had registered Colleen as his slave. The only thing left to do was to sign on the dotted line and everything would be complete. The company already knew who Colleen was. They already knew her, who her family was and where they lived. And if Colleen refused to sign this contract, the company would go and kill them all. Bullshit. I know. I feel like nowadays something like this wouldn't necessarily work because people are, are more into true crime. And this just is like, like so typical, right? It is. It is. And I'm, in that sort of situation, I mean, she's terrified. She, I mean, she'd still be put in this position, but I mean, if someone was telling you about this contract, I think in the back of your head, you'd be like, this person's like literally insane. Oh yeah. But you're, you're probably going to sign it though. I mean, what, what else do you have? You have no do? other option. Yeah. Um, however, I would probably, if I were in her shoes, I would probably sign the document. Also knowing that my signature on there means absolutely fucking nothing. I'm not giving you the right to I'm not your slave. Like, are you mm -hmm. fucking kidding me? Yeah. And what did he do? Like, sign up for the company through, because this is in the 70s, in a magazine pamphlet or something? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you sign up and register your slave today. Like, what the yeah. fuck? And get a free pair of sunglasses. Like, are you kidding me, dude? What the Ugh. fuck? He's yeah. like in some sort of Reddit forum with 20 other greasy guys who just, just like jerk off in the basement. Idiot. Oh, yeah. So she didn't have much of a choice in the matter. Colleen did go ahead and sign the contract ag agreeing to become Cameron's slave. She was to call him Master and Janice Ma'am and was to do whatever it was that the two of them asked of her. And if she refused, if she tried to run away, if she was bad, the company would hunt her down, nail her to a cross, and leave her out in the public as a warning to other slaves that or sorry, to other slaves. And then they would also go about killing her family. Yeah, because that is totally legal. You're going to nail her to a cross for public appearance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. So it was also at this moment that Colleen became known to the household as Kay. So they basically stripped her of her identity and further went about hum humiliating her. Yeah. She was just referred to as Kay. That's very much akin to prisoner numbers sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Wow. And with the new set of rules, it didn't do much to improve her condition. She still had to spend most of her time in that box, sometimes around 23 hours a day. Jeez, this poor woman. And when she was let out, she either had had to do all the cooking and the cleaning or she was tortured. Colleen later said... Anytime I was taken out of the box, I never knew what to expect. Fear of the unknown was always with me as I was kept in the dark both physically and mentally. And even if Colleen started to expect something, Cameron, Cameron kept coming up with new ways to torture her. He made a new box to put over her head to cut her off from the outside world. And he also made a literal medieval torture rack where he stretched her out and would punish her for things like not being grateful enough for the sandwich he brought down to her. Holy fuck. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for this guy to get what's coming to him. And, it, and I can tell you it's not enough. 
no, no, it's never going to be enough. And at one point, there's mixed reports here whether Janice actually allowed this or not, but he began having penetrative sex with Colleen. Yeah, I saw that coming. I mean, if it wasn't, if it was Janice, like if I was Janice, I mean, I would want nothing to do with that nasty motherfucker. Yeah, like no way. So I don't know, but I don't know if she agreed or if he manipulated her to agree or or what. But now adding to the terrible mixture of pain and punishment was rape. And poor Colleen never knew what was coming for her whenever the box got opened. Fuck. I can't imagine. Like that is beyond a nightmare. It honestly like makes me feel unwell too. Like I oh, want to like barf. It makes my skin crawl. Like it makes my stomach just turn because it's so disgusting. And it's it's beyond fathomable what sort of things human beings are capable of when they get that sense of power over another individual. We see it on a day-to-day basis. We see it in, in kids and adults, the workplace, school, bullying, right? Yeah. You see someone take advantage of another person uh, over and over again for the little things and it just makes them feel better. Yeah, like he was probably feeling like he was like king shit. Oh, yeah. And he loved it and he yeah. fed on it. And Little that's disgusting. But then people are always sorry for their actions mm-hmm. once they're caught. Oh, yeah. Once they're caught, it totally yeah. changes. Yeah. They're never sorry for their actions. They're just sorry they got caught. Exactly. So Colleen's only instinct was to survive, to be a good slave and to make sure that she and her family were safe. And she did whatever it was that Cameron wanted her to do. Like, just incredible. But it would eventually pay off for her. After she'd been living with the family for about a year, the hookers bought their own place and moved out to a mobile home where they had about an acre of land. Because of Colleen's good behavior, Cameron granted her more freedoms and let her out of the box to go on runs around the neighborhood. But all the while, escape was never on her mind. Colleen believed Cameron wholeheartedly, and the last thing she wanted to do was to send the company to her family back home. She actually believed him. Wow. So she'd do her jogs and come straight back to the family's home. This new freedom would also come at a cost. The house they'd been living at in before had a basement, but their new mobile home didn't. So Cameron went about making a new box for Colleen to live in. This one was a coffin-like wooden box that would fit under his and Janice's bed. And that was where Colleen had to spend most of her time. And like I said before, sometimes it would be up to 23 hours a day. That's the box that that I've read about in in some articles and stuff. Yeah. I'm not certain exactly what the other box looked like um, from the other house. Because some say that she wasn't necessarily in like as tight of a confining box, but this like literally, I don't even know if it would have been as big as like a coffin. Like that's unbelievable. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. 
I'm literally speechless. Holy fuck. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to go back to the fact that uh, she did go on these runs and she did come back. Yeah. So I was about to touch on this. The runs at first, I think, were like um, Cameron was kind of forcing her to do the runs, like him controlling her even more. But she kind of turned it into something like that she enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so he did later let her go on her own. But yeah, she... I mean, it's going to get even worse for what she went out and did. But like, yeah, she she came back. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- things like Stockholm Syndrome, for example, those are, are very, mm-hmm. very real. You're a prisoner and you become attached to the person who is imprisoning you. It's it's very real. It's very true. It, it happens to people. Yeah. It's just scary to think that he had this much power over her when her freedom was right there. Well, and honestly, because she didn't know who was part of the company, right? I think he yeah. described it like a lot of people. He might even said that the whole neighborhood was the fucking company. Yeah. Right? That's so, true. So when she was allowed out longer, she was doing chores, going for those runs. They would even make her look after the children. Yeah. I didn't. Which is surprised. bizarre. Um, and then she would also please Cameron. But she always ended up back in that box. After living with the family for two and a half years, Cameron began testing the waters to see just how far he could push Colleen. Cameron allowed Colleen to make a call to her family. What? He, of course, warned her about the dangers of telling them too much. He told her that the company had everyone's phone bugged and they would be listening to her conversation. Which is a flat out lie, but she doesn't know that. But nonetheless, he let Colleen talk to her family. They'd been worried sick mm-hmm. and had, of course, reported her as missing when they found out she did never she never showed up to her friend's birthday party. They feared the worst that she had died or been killed, but they were also scared that Colleen had fallen into some sort of cult. So they were very relieved when that phone call came through and they found out she was still alive. Colleen shared with them that she was all right and living with a boyfriend. And that was about it. She didn't tell them anything else, which proved to Cameron just how much control he had over her. And he loved that, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Which means these things could start stretching farther and farther. Yep. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. Sorry. Fuck this guy. I know. So then in 1981, he took it one step further and went about letting Colleen actually visit her family. Like, which is so fucked. It's so bizarre. I feel so bad for this woman. He came along and told her family that he was her boyfriend, that they were living together and that everything was fine. But the Stans weren't totally convinced. They were still worried that Colleen ended up getting mixed up in something not good, like a cult. And they felt if they pushed her too much, she would just take off and they'd never see her again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were kind of in this weird spot and I I could only imagine like how confusing it was for them. Like you wouldn't know what to do. My first instinct as those parents, and I mean, mind you, this is nowadays, not in the 70s. So it could be a little different. uh, Would be a license plate in the vehicle that they're driving to come visit. And I'd be taking that down and going to authorities. But what happens if she was in a cult or something and then them going to authorities or something, they just never see her ever again kind of thing because she gets like mad or whatever you know 
I mean, the police could probably run a check on the plate and at least like tell you where these people are, if they're known to authorities or what, right? And they could just take a drive and go check it out or something too. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, that could also be private information that the authorities wouldn't share. So yeah, who's to say that my plan is oh so great? It could be just the shittiest plan out there too. I know. They were in a really tough position. So Colleen once again didn't say anything to her family and proved to Cameron just how much he could get away with. But when they arrived back home or back to the hooker's home, I should say, back in the box, she went. Eventually, though, he let Colleen get a part time job at a motel. Wow. Of course, taking all her earned money. Yep. But also knowing that she would always come back from her shifts, and she did. Colleen was just grateful to be outside of her box. At this point, any time outside of the box was a gift, and she was just grateful to have it. But Cameron also had other plans. He was a he was went about telling Janice that he planned on taking Colleen as a second wife. And Janice didn't like this, did she? To which Janice didn't like this new plan at all. At this point, they now had two children, both daughters, which (laughs) that to me is just the worst that he actually has two daughters. Yeah. And he's doing this to someone's daughter. Like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. And his daughters, I I can't imagine what they they think nowadays with what... uh, they grew up with like they have to know right like oh nowadays they would know but as kids then they it's probably like oh everyone's house has a woman in a box well no they didn't know they didn't even know that this chick like they hid it from this person remember she was out hardly at all right and so they didn't realize she was living with them the kids didn't but wasn't she like babysitting the kids and cooking them dinner and shit yeah but they didn't realize that she was also like being stored and living there and stuff like they they hid that from the kids the kids had no idea so the kids just thought the nanny showed up today sort of thing kind of thing or i don't know where they thought she was living like they hid it from the neighbors at some points like they had to reintroduce colleen to like the kids and the neighbors because they would go on spurts where like she was locked up for longer periods of time and then all of a sudden they would give her more freedom and stuff jesus so yeah no the kids didn't know this is fucking scrambling my brain yeah oh my god so and janice back to this new development here janice wasn't sure what would happen to her if their slave then became cameron's second wife she wasn't about to risk losing her standing Janice first confided in her pastor that Cameron was living with multiple women, women, and her pastor told her that it was wrong. Taking this and running, Janice then went to visit Colleen at her shift at the motel, and she confessed that everything they'd ever told her had been a lie and that the company wasn't actually real. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew that wasn't real. We, that was obvious. I, I mean, know, but I don't, it, I don't think it was obvious to Colleen. Well, no, that was just about to say, it's not oh, obvious okay. to her, but to us looking at this case yeah. right now in this podcast, it's obvious the company wasn't real. Yeah. Um, but I did not expect it to be coming from, from, uh, what's her name again? Janice. Janice. I did not expect it to be coming from Janice. I expected, um, the freedoms and the time away to start getting Colleen mm. more and more comfortable where she would get to the point that she might be contacting her family through a phone at work or something. 
No, ultimately it was Janice who saved her. Wow. She's still a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) She is. I'm sorry. Yeah. So who can say what went through Colleen's mind at that exact moment? That everything she believed for the last seven years was a lie. But she did believe Janice and acted fast to get the fuck out of there. The next thing anyone knew, Colleen was at the bus stop with the ticket home in her hands. She almost let it go, but she couldn't. And just before the bus pulled away, she picked up the phone, like a payphone, I think, and called Cameron. She told him that she knew everything. And she later said that Cameron just broke down into tears. Right? Because he's caught. He's sorry. I'm so sorry. Fuck off. Yeah. Colleen would make it back home and in her family's arms, but she still didn't share much of what she'd been through with them. Oh, rightfully so. Janice had asked her to stay quiet in order to give her a chance to work on Cameron and try to fix him. Because I think she was still like, I can make this work. Like, we have a family, right? What? But that all changed when two police officers showed up at Colleen's front door. Months after Colleen had made it home, Janice had gone into the police station and confessed to everything. Good. Turning on Cameron and saying that he had abducted and tortured and raped Colleen for over seven years. She was a part of it. She also said that Colleen hadn't been the first and that Cameron had done this to another woman just before Colleen. That woman was allegedly Marie Elizabeth Spanhig who'd gone missing the year before Colleen had been kidnapped. Her body was never found, and even though the police couldn't connect her disappearance to Cameron, Colleen had a few interesting things to say about it. When the police showed up at her house, Colleen confirmed everything Janice had told them, and when the police showed her a picture of Marie, Colleen recognized her. She didn't know who she was, but she knew Marie's face, and that was because Cameron had stuck a picture of her right at the entrance of Colleen's box. Every time Colleen had gone in or out of the box, she looked at Marie's Marie right in the eye, and a part of her knew that she had gone through the same thing Colleen had. Jesus. Isn't that brutal? That hey? is. And there is so much to unpack in, uh, in what you just went over the last few sentences there yeah so just to kind of touch on that a little bit more so i believe janice like had told them where the body was because they they had buried the body but they were never able to find it and some reports did say that what had happened is so they had captured this this woman and she was like screaming so much that he went about cutting her vocal cords mm-hmm. so that she couldn't scream anymore. And like, that's pretty much like kind of cutting your throat. Right. And so she ended up dying. Wow. So she would have been Colleen if yeah. she didn't, didn't die. Yeah. Um, when Colleen first went home, I thought that she was not going to be telling her parents about uh, what had happened to her strictly out of like trauma and PTSD, mm-hmm. not because she was trying to protect these two because. Well, Janice, she was only well, yeah, trying to protect Janice. Not because she was trying to protect Janice. I, I didn't even think of that. It's amazing that she kept it quiet because I feel like I'd get home. I'd be like, fuck Janice. No shit. And I would just be like telling all the authorities. But then again, that Stockholm syndrome, right? Because yeah. she could have 
been connected to Janice in some sort of way or developed something where she kind of felt for her because maybe she was the other female in the house. She she might be going through similar things at the hand of this fucking asshole. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. But I am super happy ja- Janice eventually came forward with it. Uh, it's the, He's such a joke. This guy's mm-hmm. such a joke. Especially yeah. th- that he broke down crying on the phone. I know. Ugh. Ugh. So because authorities weren't able, were unable to find um, Marie's body, all of this wasn't enough to charge Cameron for her murder, but it was enough to take him to court for what he had done to Colleen, obviously. Mm-hmm. After Cameron was arrested, Janice had a change of heart and went home to destroy as much evidence as she could. But when it became clear that she would go down with her husband, she changed her tune again. She, she struck a deal for full immunity if she testified against her husband in court. With the combined testimonies of Colleen and Janice and the lucky find of a photo negative that proved to be a photo of the contract Cameron had Colleen sign all those years ago, because like Janice destroyed everything, mm-hmm. Cameron was toast. He tried to convince the judge and the jury that Colleen had been a been there willingly and they'd also willingly had sex with each other but no one was convinced like what a fucking piece of slime hey oh shit oh it was consensual fuck off after the judge called cameron the worst psychopath they'd ever seen he was sentenced to 104 years in prison not long enough originally not eligible for See, and then this is the thing. You have to talk about parole. Like, I sometimes have issues with parole because I feel like some people, okay, maybe, but like he should. He, he should, should not be eligible. Never. No. no way. Never. Because, okay, let me just read this sentence first. Originally not eligible for parole until 2023, California's el- elderly parole program moved that date to 2015. But thankfully, he was denied. He will apparently be eligible once again in 2030. And so the problem with this is like, Colleen is like, she has so much unbelievable trauma to deal with. And then to also deal with the fact that he might be getting out. Like he needs to be in there for his whole lifespan. So that Colleen, for one, he's a terrible person, awful, disgusting person. But Colleen should never have to worry about him being on the streets again. How's this? How about for every, uh, here's, here's my, my deal. My, what I think should happen in court for every year that you unlawfully hold an individual prisoner. Okay. So kidnapping, right? Yeah. You serve lawfully 10 years in prison, no parole. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. So I think he should be minimum 70, 70 without parole and then charge for his crimes on top. Yeah. So I think it should be like 104 plus the 70. So I think he should be serving 174 years minimum in prison. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, just like life. And when you say life, like mean life. Oh, yeah. Without the chances of parole. Like this sometimes parole just gets me. But Janice wasn't punished. She changed her name and lived somewhere in California. To no surprise, her and Colleen did not keep in touch. So, you know, sometimes I wonder, I've kind of wondered if the kids even know. Can you say that again? I'm not sure if I heard you correctly. What was Janice's sentencing? Nothing. She wasn't punished. She was not punished. No. 
Are you fucking kidding me? There's a lot of people out there that think, and she might be a victim. I'm sure to many, in many areas, she's a victim as well. Yes, I agree. She is a victim. However, she became involved for seven years. Yeah. For seven fucking years. For seven years, she knew exactly what he was doing to her. For human trafficking, enslaving and kidnapping and torturing and allowing the rape of a human being. And she was like, I mean, Colleen was doing the chores and watching the kids and stuff. And she was allowing that to go on. Yeah. Oh, and then she probably spent her money that she was earning too at her job. And yeah, like, no, sure. There's certain things where she's a victim. However, she's also a piece of shit. Yeah. See, someone like her, I can kind of, I think she needs sentencing, but I can also understand her potentially getting out and being like rehabilitated slightly. Yeah. But she still needed to serve some time for those actions. Put it this way. How's this for a parallel? Um, In my opinion, she is just as bad as someone cheating in a marriage. Say, Say someone goes out to a bar, they're partying with their buddies, right? His wife's at home. And then a woman at the bar makes a move on him. Well, he's the victim because the woman made the move on him. But he did go back to the hotel and he did sleep with her and he did cheat on his wife. Mm-hmm. Is he the victim? No, he willingly did these things. Yeah. Did he make the move initially? No, that's not his fault. But he did allow it to happen and he did continue. Yeah. He still cheated. Because she kind of allowed all this to happen until... There was the whole, okay, well, this lady is going to become like equal to me. Yeah. Until she was no longer Queen B. Yeah. So anyway, fuck them. Moving on. Colleen has, has remained brave in the face of all her hardships. Today, she sustains back and shoulder injuries in addition to PTSD and has opened up about having difficulty holding down a job or marriage. She is, however, a proud mother and grandmother and went on to receive an accounting degree following her escape on August 10th, 1984. But she and she also counsels other women who have suffered various forms of abuse, abuse. Um, If you want to check it out, Colleen wrote a book about her experience and it's called The Simple Gifts of Life. She said, I thoroughly enjoy my freedom. Always, always, always. Life is good. You have to learn to live in the now and not let the past drag you back. Wow. There's also another book. Um, it's called Perfect Victim, the story of the girl in the box by the DA that prosecuted her capture. And I heard like amazing things. I have not got a chance to read that yet, but I do. It's on my list now. So, but just that last quote, I'm going to read it again. Please do actually. Yes. I thoroughly enjoy my freedom. Always, always, always. Life today is good. You have to learn how to live in the now and not let the past drag you back. Wow. Spoken like a true uh, badass of the day, hey? Well, yeah, to have gone through what she went through and to literally say that because, I mean, she got through it. But then I think the next battle is like to not let that destroy your life going forward because the trauma would be so brutal that it very easily could. Well, she's forever got a weight on her shoulders now Mm -hmm. forever. And it's how she carries that weight. And clearly she's going to be carrying it as best she can and keeping that chin up, which is incredible. Yeah. So that's her story. It's unbelievable. Holy shit. I'm, I can't even remember the dude's name. I'm not going to ask for it. He can fucking rot. I hope he never gets out of prison. What a piece of human trash 
if wow. the, if he ends up getting out of prison, there is going to be an uproar. There is oh. no way that he should ever get out of no, prison. No, I'd fucking I, I would riot in our house solo. <laughs> I will wreck every dish we have. Yeah, no, that those actions are they're too bad. They're too bad. That so. guy is a piece of shit. Yes. I swore a lot in this episode. Yeah, you you, me off. you got really ang- you were pretty heated over there. I had to avoid eye contact sometimes because <laughs> <I was like, laughs> wow. I'm I was not like, that aggressive. Well, no, I'm just like he's getting really mad. I got to try to focus and read this these friggin' sentences. You didn't want me to distract you? <laughs> yes. Gotcha. You made it sound like I was going to rage oh, and reach across no, the table or no, something. No, your anger was yeah, no, your anger would just be distracting me from trying to get through this cuz at some Holy points fuck. like just looking at you it was just like Oh, you were just, yeah. Yeah, this this wrecked you a little. I was pissed. I am pissed. Yeah. This guy fucking sucks. Yeah. And I can't imagine having to go through what Colleen went through. And then to believe what he was saying and then be told to your face by one of your captors as well, we were lying. Mm-hmm. Like, holy fuck. Okay, but question. Do you think, well, we'll finish it off with this. Do you think their children know? Because like I said, Janice went about like changing her name. I I honestly feel like those kids probably will never know. I think the oldest one has to know something. Because the oldest one would have been minimum eight. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well. By eight years old, you would probably remember your mom running away and being in court and never seeing your dad again. So you know something's up. Mm Mm-hmm. Probably questioning who your dad is. I know. I, I'm vi- just researching this the whole time. I was like so curious. I was like, do those kids know? I honestly hope they don't. This would ruin their whole life too almost. Did you look it up to see if you could find anything on, on I didn't kids? actually. I should have just tried to Google it. But I think in a way I don't – I don't. I almost don't want to know. <laughs> wow. Well, um, we might do a little bit of research or a little bit of digging and seeing if we can find yeah. it out. And uh, if we find it out, we'll talk about it over on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that book too. If it, if anyone's read that book, maybe it says something in there. I'm not sure. So. Yeah. If you guys know, let us know. Um, if you want to check out things like our Patreon, where we might figure it out and talk about it a little more, um, you can head into the description of this podcast. We got Patreon, Instagram, Facebook, website, YouTube, you name it. It's all linked down below. We got it all. Yeah. And if you just want to chill here and listen to the episodes, that's cool too. We mm-hmm. appreciate that just as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good job on this episode. I'm going to be angry sleeping tonight. Yeah. You uh, might have, we might have to make you some like some chamomile tea or something. <laughs> something, something calming. Yeah. Have, maybe have a hot bath. Yeah. Maybe I'll light some candles and have a glass of wine with a hot bath and some bubbles. Yeah. Do you want some cucumbers on your eyes too? Yes, please. There you go. Okay. That's <laughs> what we're going to do right now. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go put the Epsom salts in the bath and we're going to pour some water here. All right. Well, until next time. Stay wicked. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.